And it is Jesus who makes this a glorious day. Welcome to this morning's broadcast. We are so glad you could join us. Turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 3, verses 9 through 20. Today's preaching segment concludes the Romans chapter 3, verses 9 through 20, biblical passage. God's verdict will be seen. We all need a lawyer. We all need a savior. And now with his message for this morning, our pastor, Robert Elliott. We are all prone to lousy character, lousy conduct, and lousy low view of Almighty God, all of us. We need a savior. We need a lawyer. We are sunk without Jesus. Please say in America, you have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can be used against you in the court of law. You have the right to have an attorney present now and during any future questions. If you cannot afford an attorney, one will be appointed to you, free of charge, if you wish. We all need a lawyer. We all need a savior. But we don't just need any lawyer. We need an extraordinary, supernatural, one-of-a-kind, God-man lawyer. One who will pay our debt, not to society but rather to supreme and holy God. That's the kind of lawyer we need. We need Jesus Christ and what he only can do for us. And so, verse 9 of chapter 3, the charges have been summarized. What then? Are we better than they? Not at all, for we have already charged that both Jews and Greeks are all under sin. And after the charges have been summarized, the guilt is demonstrated, verses 10 to 18. As it is written, there is none righteous, not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become useless. There is none who does good. There is not even one. Their throat is an open grave. With their tongues they keep deceiving. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their paths, and the path of peace they have not known. That is our guilt demonstrated. And third, the passage has the verdict delivered, uh, verses 19 and 20. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, that every mouth may be closed and all the world may become accountable to God. Because by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for through the law comes the knowledge of sin. This is the verdict. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, that every mouth may be closed and all the world may become accountable to God. Because by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for through the law comes the knowledge of sin. This is the verdict delivered. God pulls no punches with his verdict for each of us. Number one, the verdict, all are guilty. Number two, the verdict, all are accountable. And number three, verdict, all of us are exposed in our sin. All are guilty. All are accountable. All are exposed. Now what? So what? 
I want to read you a love letter written by a communist. It's an actual excerpt from a letter written by a young communist to his fiance. Breaking off their engagement, the girl's pastor sent the letter to Billy Graham, who published it a number of years ago. Quote, We communists have a high casualty rate. We are the ones who get shot and hung and ridiculed and fired from our jobs and in every other way made as uncomfortable as possible. A certain percentage of us get killed or imprisoned. We live in virtual poverty. We turn back to the party every penny we make above what is absolutely necessary to keep us alive. We communists do not have the time or the money for many movies or concerts or T-bone steaks or decent homes or new cars. We have been described as fanatics. We are fanatics. Our lives are dominated by one great overarching factor, the struggle for world communism. We communists have a philosophy of life which no amount of money can buy. We have cause to fight for a definite purpose in life. We subordinate our petty personal lives and selves. And if our personal lives seem hard or our egos appear to suffer through subordination to the party, then we are adequately compensated by the thought that each of us in a small way is contributing to something new and true and better for mankind. There is one thing which I am in dead earnest about, and that is the communist cause. It is my life, my business, my religion, my hobby, my sweetheart, my wife, my mistress, and my bread and meat. I work at it in the daytime and dream of it at night. It holds on to me. Its hold on me grows, not lessens as time goes on. Therefore, I cannot carry on a friendship, a love affair, or even a conversation without relating it to this force which both drives and guides my life. I evaluate people, looks, ideas, and actions according to how they affect the communist cause and by their attitude toward it. I've already been in jail because of my ideals, and if necessary, I am ready to go before a firing squad. End of quote. That is, my friends, a very misguided communist dedication to communism. How much more dedication should we have to the lawyer who not only defends us but also pays off all our debt to the judge? How much more dedication should we have to the lawyer who not only defends us but also pays off our total debt to the judge? How much more dedication should we have to the Lord Jesus Christ? Were the whole realm of nature mine? That would be a present far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Lord, we thank you for these verses that tell it the way it is. We thank you that you have rescued us from ourselves, 
You have given us life where there is spiritual death. You have given us the earnest, the wedding ring, the engagement ring, the promise, the hope of completed salvation in the person of the Holy Spirit who dwells us permanently, indwells us permanently. You've given us a cause that cannot fail. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to your glory, Father. Your gospel is the power of salvation for everyone who believe, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Help us to let down our nets and not to let up on letting down our nets for a catch. Lord, we want to have the highest commitment to you, the highest commitment to you, the highest commitment to you. Thank you that the book of Romans unfolds further to tell us that we are justified by faith in Jesus Christ and no one and no thing will separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Thank you the book of Romans goes on to promise and assure us that there is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Thank you the book of Romans goes on to state that you are working in each of our lives to conform us to the image of your Son, Father. I thank you for these precious people. They are your people, they're not my people. But I thank you that you've loaned them to me to love and to learn from and to care for, to equip to do the work of the ministry. And Lord, I pray that our highest dedication commitment would be to Jesus Christ, immovable, unshakable, impenetrable. When people meet us, maybe they see it, may they hear it, may they know it, by what we say and by what we refuse to say, by what we do and what we refuse to do, by what we think and by what we refuse to think. Lord, thank you that you are working in each of us to will and to do your good pleasure. And thank you that you will complete in each of us at the day of Christ Jesus. Thanks, Pastor Rob, for your message today. And now it's time for Youth Talk with Pastor Nicholas Rogers. Good morning. This is Pastor Nicholas, another edition of Youth Talk. And today we want to continue and we want to talk about how Christ redeemed us to himself. And again, as we consider the gospel, the gospel is what Christ, as he sent his son, Jesus, to die for our sins. And when we consider that and we look at Colossians 1, 13 and 20, we see how God has redeemed us. And we see this as it says in verse 13, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of our sins. And we can look at how in, in, in Paul's epistles, we see it over and over. You once walked in this way. You once did these things. You once was in darkness. But now Christ has redeemed you. And because He's redeemed you, we need to be different. But the only way that Christ can redeem us is that He becomes number one in our lives. That He becomes what we're all about. And verse 15 is very clear, and we see this. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by Him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, rulers or authorities. All things were created through Him and for Him. Again, everything was created for God. And it was created for His honor and His glory. 
And this is what it means as we consider that Christ redeems us. He turns our wrongs into rights. He exchanges evil for good. He takes back control. He breathes life into what was dead. He makes old things new. So when we consider our lives and we consider what we were, He has made us new in Christ. We are new creation in Christ. But we must transfer our life from ourselves to Him. We must recognize that He has done all these things for us so that we accept the free gift of salvation. And in verse 7 it says, And He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. What it's saying is that He is in everything. And again, as we consider what we're going through in this country and we're going through all the problems, God is in control. He is there. Verse 18 says, He is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, and everything He might be preeminent. He might be first. He must, he must be everything to us. You see, reality is, is that we do live in a time where we need to really look at ourselves and ask, what is the most important thing in our lives? Is it Christ? Or is it our, our things, the stuff that we have? You see, Jesus came to redeem you and me, but he also came to redeem everything. Every wrong, every pain, every situation, he can redeem it all. When we experience pain because we live in a broken world full of suffering and loss, Jesus says, someday I'll redeem everything. I'll restore the whole world and everything that was wrong will be right. That's the hope that we have in Christ. That's the hope that we have as we look at our lives and we look at our lives in Christ. Verse 19 says, For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth and heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. You see, the cross, when Jesus, the, the perfect man, died on the cross, he redeemed us. He paid the price. Imagine for a second you go to a store and you want to buy something but you have no money. And in your mind, you think, well, I have a card. I can use my debit card. I can use my credit card. But they say, we don't accept a debit or credit card. But you have a person who's in the back of you, and they hear, I can't purchase anything right now because I have no cash, and, and the card machine is down. And they say, here, let me give this to you. Let me pay for your lunch. Let me pay for your food. You see, Christ paid the price for our sins. He was the transaction. He, what, he paid it all. There's nothing more that we have to pay. We can't work for it. We can't say, well, I'm going to go and do this to earn salvation. No, it's there for us. But we need to understand it. We need to transfer our lives to Him. You see, so much of our pain and hurt caused by our own sin. If we want real transformation, we need Jesus to redeem us before we ask Him to redeem our situations. So, I want to challenge you. I want you to think of your life. I want you to think of where do you stand in life right now? Do you have a relationship with Christ? And if you don't have a relationship with Christ, then you're living a wasted life. You're living a life that's just pursuing the things of the world that's going to fade away. And we have seen that so clearly in the last couple of weeks. But I want you to know that there's a God who wants a, a relationship with you. He wants a relationship with you, and we must ask Him to come into our lives, to help us, to, to change us, to transform our hearts. 
Because the reality is for us is that in our own flesh, we want nothing to do with God. But there are some of you who are listening to the broadcast that Christ has probably been working in your life. And he's been working on you just as he's been working on me to be different. So I would challenge you to say, you know what? I'm tired of living my life for myself. And I want to give my life to Christ. I want to say, God, I want you to use me. I want you to forgive me of my sin because he tells in his word, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Not some, but all. There's nothing that you could have done in your life that God would not want nothing to do with you. God can forgive you of that sin, but you must be willing to give it to him and surrender your life to him. Again, he's paid it all. He wants to redeem us. And it's going to come a day when he is going to redeem everything. The question is, are you going to be a part of the redeem? Or are you going to be a part of the people that are separated from Christ forever? And now, today's personal God story. Good morning. For those of you who don't know, my name is Jerry Soil. It's a privilege to have served and to serve as one of the um, pastor elders here at Calvary Bible Church. And I want to share with you my God story. I was born on a little key, one of the Abaco keys, known as Green Turtle Key. Green Turtle lies about two and a half miles east of the mainland of Abaco. The population of Green Turtle over the last 50 plus years has averaged between 450 and 500 people. And it has maintained that all of these years. I was born into a family, I was the ninth child that would eventually be 11 children beside my mother and father. I was son number six. So I had a lot of brothers and sisters and other family in the house business as I grew up. Sunday was a special day in that you weren't allowed to go out of the home unless you went to church. And as a boy, I wanted to get outside, (laughs) which is only natural. We went to the Assemblies of God Church. They had Sunday school at 9.30, and then right after Sunday school, they had their morning worship service at 11 a.m. So myself and some of my brothers and sisters, we went to that service. The Brethren Church at Sunday school at 3, 3.30, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. We went also to the evening service at the Brethren Church. But there was a gentleman at the Brethren Church who was a medical doctor from England. It was known as Dr. Walter Kendrick. Dr. Kendrick was the leading elder at the Brethren Church there in Green Title Key. 
And one thing we were taught, but not only by the scripture, we were taught the plan of salvation. I knew that I was not saved. I knew my situation is if I died, I would not spend eternity in heaven with the Lord. But it wasn't the time for me to make that decision. At the age of 13, the Assemblies of God had an evangelistic campaign on Green Turtle Key. In those days, they called it a revival meeting. I refer to it as evangelistic campaign because the gospel was presented every service and the opportunity was given for those who wanted to make a profession of Jesus Christ as their personal savior. At the age of 13, the Holy Spirit had been speaking to me and I made that decision to accept Jesus Christ as my personal savior. I had been blessed because there were a couple of men in both the Assemblies of God Church and the Brethren Church who really had an interest in the young men and the young women of the community. They allowed us to have a service on a Friday evening in one of their churches. Because there were a few other young people beside myself who made that decision during those special meetings to accept the Lord Jesus Christ as personal savior. But let me say about something about these men. They did not just allow us the facilities, the use of the facilities. They came and they were a part of it. They helped to teach us, to show us, to train us in the way of the scriptures. And so, as a young 13-year-old, my grounding in the word began. I'm thankful for that today. In January 1960, just less than four months shy of my 15th birthday, I came to Nassau to start life in a different place. I was to be living with my sister and her husband and their family. I came to Nassau on Monday at a job interview on Tuesday and began to work on a Thursday. And the Lord blessed me. I worked at that job for 54 and a half years. Not that it was the only job available, but it was something I loved doing. And interacting with the people on that job. On that job, I had the opportunity not only to share the gospel, but to walk it, to live it. At that time also, 
In my church life, after I came to Nassau, there was a friend of the family who knew I was in Nassau. And for the first few years I was there, they would come every Sunday morning, every Sunday evening, and if there was a service during the week, during the week, to pick me up and to carry me to church. My time was gone. <laughs> I have so much more to tell, but through the years, through the years, from Evangelistic Temple to Calvary Bible Church, the men of the church, the pastors, the leaders of the church, have been examples for me as a young Christian man. From the time of Pastor Weech, who was the founding pastor, and Brother J.C.L. Thompson and others, they always said, Jerry, our doors are open. Anytime you wish to come and speak with us, we are always available. And many are the time that I made myself available to do that. Over the years, I have had the opportunity to serve the Lord in many capacities. I started out by substitute Sunday school teaching and by ushering and by God's grace over the years, he has increased and given me many other opportunities to serve him. And I always say this about it. It's not about me. It's not about my ability. It's about my availability. I said to the Lord many years ago, Lord, whatever you want me to do, here am I. Use me. And he has graciously used me and blessed me. So I say to you this morning, there is something for you to do in the kingdom of God. Whether you can at home or here in the church, whether you can pray, whether you can work with the young people, whether you can sing in the choir, and that's one area I never had a desire to do. But whatever you can do, do it unto the Lord and knowing that it is not because of any ability that you have, but that you are available for him to use you in his will. So I pray that the Lord would bless each and every one of you today. You've been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship services are at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. in our sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We encourage you to join us. Feel free to write us at eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com or P.O. Box N1684 Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs a savior.